I mean, you can ask any kid when they're young and say they like football and they say, well, I'm going to be the next Tom Brady. Well, that's great, but I don't think you can take that from your own child and say, okay, now let's map out the next 20 years to make that happen. I mean, you just, you say, okay, you hear it, you know, because tomorrow it could be something else. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Are you ready for the most highly anticipated episode of the podcast? So recently we had my sister on. I've had my biggest role model of all time on, Caitlin Lowe. I've had Hall of Fame coach Sue Inquist on. But for some reason, this interview just hits a little different. Probably because it's with my dad. And a lot of you are like, yes, finally, he's on. You talk about him so much on the podcast. Like, where is he? Well, I wanted to make sure that we did the podcast episode justice, so um, we took a little bit of time, we sat down, we actually ended up talking for like over an hour and a half, but this is just going to be half of the interview that I had with my dad, and it is so fun. So things that we discussed in this episode was, first of all, learning his influence in the game. So you'll learn that my grandpa is actually a pitcher, was a pitcher um, in softball, He did a little bit of like a slingshot motion. He also got me in touch with Ty Stofflett, who is a legendary lefty pitcher. Um, And we talk about how I got to know pitching. And I know most of you are like, wait, you didn't pitch in college. I did not pitch in college. I pitched a little bit in high school and before that. But learning something new is hard. And my dad and I actually share how I was able to figure out pitching. It just wasn't my love. It wasn't my passion. If it was, I would have continued it, especially in college and maybe beyond. But it just wasn't for me. But I do think there's a lot of value in this conversation, learning how I was able to pick it up and learn from it and how my dad and I really learned it together. Because he played baseball um, and that weird motion that softball pitchers have, he had, he knew nothing about it. So we dive into that in this episode. We also talk about this cool thing where my dad never pushed me to play. He never forced me to play, I should say. And he, he constantly asked me like how good I wanted to be at this game. And that was one of the reasons why I continued it. That's one of the reasons why I loved it. And I worked on it more than anything else. And so we talk about our relationship and how he kind of let me figure out how good I wanted to be and guided me there. We also talked about how when he coached me um, in travel ball, what our practices used to be like, just how much fun we had traveling the country. We even share a couple funny McDonald's stories. And we share in this episode what it was like trying out and 
learning when I needed to leave my original travel team and go to a more competitive team. So with that, that is the episode with my dad that you are about to listen to. I am so excited for you to get your ears on it. So here's my conversation with my dad, Scott Burkhart. Hey everyone, welcome back to When the Cleats Come Off. The most special guest is here. Would you would you think that maybe you're the most special guest? Caitlin Lowe is my favorite until I think this happened. I don't have favorites, <laughs> as you should know. <laughs> well, then we have an exciting question coming coming to you. So we currently are at Mom and Dad's in your office, nice and cozy, and we're just gonna have a conversation about softball and us and whatever it is that comes to mind. You excited? Sounds good. I am. I'm excited. I'm excited. This is literally a long time coming. I can't tell you how many people have messaged me on Instagram, Facebook, mostly Facebook, email saying your dad needs to come on the podcast. Um, How do you feel about that? Don't give me too much pressure. (laughs) You don't don't have any pressure. We're just going to chat. Okay. So can you start off telling us your story through sport? My story through sport? Yeah. Like when you started playing. Um, well, I did think about this just a little bit. But, <laughs> uh, so I started playing baseball and basketball. Baseball when I was seven, basketball when I was eight years old. But before that, um, my dad played in, and this was the old industrial leagues, um, in Pennsylvania, he played both softball and and basketball, and I remember going to some of his basketball games, but I don't think he played that much longer after you know I I was around. But softball, I would go to all of his uh, his games, and I I was the bad boy. I, <laughs> it could have been one year, it could have been five years. I really don't remember. So take me take me back to what Grandpa did. Like he was a pitcher, right? Yes. So he was left-handed. He was he had an old uh, the old slingshot delivery. Mm-hmm. He could throw a windmill, but he was more comfortable uh, with with the old uh, slingshot. And uh, and I do remember, without knowing rules, without knowing you know history. He was always accused uh, by the other team of letting that ball release too far away from his thigh. Hmm. So he would be bent over, you know, somewhat similar to what an overhand side armor could possibly do. Yeah. So apparently there was a rule. I remember the number. It was four inches, I think, in Pennsylvania at that time. And he was always, uh, um, I guess, on that edge and... And it was fun watching him react to the other team re- reacting to his pitching style. I was going to say, what did he do? He would just come in the dugout, just, you know, just constantly saying, it's legal. It's legal. I've been <laughs> doing it for years. That's grandpa. I love that. Did he play with the pitching coach that I met when I was younger? Yeah, you had pitching. one lesson, so we, yeah. we went back We went back to where I grew up, and uh, Ty Stofflett uh, worked with my dad um, for a number of years, and Ty in the, in the 70s, and it might have been the early 70s, so I was very young then, was, uh, was 
a bit of a celebrity. He was on the cover of GQ magazine. Jeez. He had played internationally. Everybody that was playing softball at that time knew him. And through at that time, this is when Nolan Ryan in the major leagues was hitting numbers over 100 miles an hour. But Ty Stofflet was recorded at, at 100 miles an hour as a, as a lefty softball player, fast pitch. Wow. Yeah, so he was pretty impressive. When I met him, and I don't remember meeting him as an adult, but when we uh, went to his house for that for that one pitching lesson that you remember, mm-hmm. he I, I was surprised that he was not a, a taller guy. He was probably only five, maybe five ten, five eleven. Yeah, and I was expecting this big, you know, six two, six three, you know, size size guy. So he was. Rather slight, but his his one claim to fame, or, or what made him effective, in addition to the speed that he was throwing, was that apparently he had an arthritic finger <laughs> that was able to dig into the softball, and he was throwing a screwball. Wow. That was crazy. So I never got to see any of that, or I don't remember it. I remember him as, uh, you know, it's kind of the legend. <laughs> um, even though I was, I'm sure I was at games where, where you know, he was still in his prime but he, he was a little bit of a you know he was a he was a little bit of a rock star. That's so cool. And I don't really remember much from the lesson other than how excited we both were <laughs> because you hyped him up a lot and he was well worth hyping up. He was fun to be with. So he didn't. So uh, yeah, I remember that, and and I don't remember the details of the lesson other than a validation that the things that we had learned or I had learned in working with you when you were younger were were the right things to work at. So. And not knowing us, he had no idea where you were. Were you like, uh, you know, this was your first week pitching? Was this your fifth year pitching? Right. So it, it, the experience was 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 a lot um, uh, even more uh, even better than the, the than the actual lesson. Right. Right. Do you remember some of the things that he mentioned? Because I think I was just starting out as a pitcher. Because I kind of started. What was it? Seventh grade. Uh, Sixth. Well, it was so, you don't have to be right. I'm half the time wrong when it comes to when I think. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it really does. I, you, had, you had advanced at least past the basics. Yeah. And, and, he, and, and I don't remember the specifics that he was talking about. But, right. But uh, he, he was trying to get more of a leg drive uh, or talked about that because at his size, and again, I don't think he was that big, uh, you know, he had to rely on, you know, his legs to get to get his velocity. And, yeah. Uh, you remember how you pitched? It was it was uh, it was more accuracy than than speed. I was gonna say I try not to remember pitching <laughs> that much. It was one of those things where I ended up I had to pitch because we didn't have a pitcher at the time, right? Like it was one of those where I wasn't super excited to do it, like hitting, but uh, it's the so, circumstances so made it. I think you were willing to do anything. So you know if to you <laughs> if you went from a if you went from a team where. You you know played you know sparingly to a team where hey I can have the ball in my hand on every play. I think that was a lot that had a lot to do with whether or not you were you know wanting to pitch. I think you were just wanting um, as much softball as you could get at that time. That's true. That's true. I did. I think it ended up having to be well, we didn't have a pitcher, and I'm like, well, I don't want to lose, so give me the ball. We'll figure this out. And I remember watching videos on YouTube. Tons of videos about the pizza and holding the Coke can. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, at, at that age, I mean, when it was when we were really young, to me, it, it was just you know fun teaching, 
you know, whether we won or, lo- won or not. The games can drag on if you don't have somebody that can throw the ball near the plate, right. obviously. But uh, the, the competitiveness, I wasn't, I wasn't that um, concerned about it at that time. Yeah. I think the fun part about that experience for me was we were learning it together. Like everything, pitching wise. Yeah, yeah. So, well, especially pitching, right? And and although I had seen it, I had seen what was good. I, I, you know, to put the the detail into what makes it a strike, other than just looking at the ball, yeah, cross the you know cross the plate in, right. a, in a particular area, you know, what focuses on that, you know, and it was it was being open to. Any suggestions? You know, if you remember, and I think I've heard you talk about this on another podcast, um, you know, that we really didn't have YouTube, those types of things at the time. The internet was still yeah. dial up. It was more hassle to just sit in front of it and wait for something to pop up to then find the thing that you were actually interested in. But there were there were people to talk to. There were people who had, you know, learned about things and at times even bought the old VHS tape and so yeah. I'd, I'd plug it in yeah just to see if it made sense so I was never when it was when it was something brand new I was never looking at it as oh this is this is the right thing but it was more just digesting it and saying okay this was an 18 year old you know doing instruction from a from a coach who was 35 and you're 10 how does that translate down so so whatever I took, I tried to uh, see what would be would be appropriate at a given age. Yeah, and we we got the Jenny Finch windmill. Remember that thing? That came a little later. Yep, <laughs> yep. That was after we took our first trip to Colorado, yeah. um, where you know at the time that was the supposed to be the end all be all of of tournaments. And then I met her father, uh, who was who was selling the the. the was the, it in the, Colorado? Or was con- it around here? The contraption. No, 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 no. Yeah. It was out there. Okay. Yep. And, uh, well, we got it. We got it. But it did help my arm strength a ton because I was a string bean. It, well, I mean, you look at it, you look for anything, right? Anything that you can do repetitively to develop something either specific or just in general, I think. Uh, and, and that was something that was specific because, you know, what what types of things can, can simulate a windmill with resistance that can actually help you develop strength, but at the same time, at those ages, we were, you know, I, I'm still a firm believer that you know there's a there's a there's an appropriate age, or there's there's an age where you are too young to be looking at strength, you know, because yeah. the body, male or female, is changing, and you know, so it's the knowledge and the skills more so than you know, how do I become dominant right. at right. at 10, 11, 12, 13, even 14? Yeah. It's like more focusing on how do you move and how do you move correctly? So what, what age is that? What age do you think is an appropriate age to start thinking about more strength? Well, it probably I, I, changes. honestly, I'm not the person to... to, to <laughs> no, I'm not... But I'm, based I'm, on I'm, me I mean, it's based on, you know, girls. you have to do... You have to do your own self-assessment. And that was... That played a lot of... With, with me and you and, and of course, your sisters afterwards, you know, like, w- w- when are you ready for it? Some people grow early. Some people grow late. Some people just have a natural strength, you know. And so, I, I'm, I'm, you know, scientifically, I can't, I can't really speak to yeah. when, it, when it's right. You just, you know, the fact that we got to spend so much time together, you, you can really see things and, and then, you know, consider what the next step is. Yeah. 
So if a parent's thinking of trying to figure out is strength or is my kid ready for strength, who could they talk to? You think like a physical therapist? Is well, it a, a physical therapist? Well, I don't know. No, I mean, I think I'm still. You know, if you're gonna, if you're asking me again, not qualified in anything direct, I would say that it's it's after puberty. It's um whatever that is. I mean, mm-hmm. you can. There's so much to gain for from understanding the game and being a student of the game to them perfecting, or at least working towards perfecting skills within the game. I mean, the other things I think come come later i mean i it's okay to uh, you know there, there were some there were some horror stories of you know the time that i was you know growing up i'll call them horror, horror stories you know where you where you see these football parents that had their kids you know doing 100 push-ups at three years old yeah why right why um you know uh, i i don't i don't see the need you can't you have I don't know how you can manufacture an athlete. You can't you can't look and and, and we've had this talk a million times. You you can't at seven, eight, nine years old say, My kid is going to be this. You know, it, it's just it's a it's an evolution. It's things that, you know, you could have decided that you wanted to do nothing involving sports. Or you can say, "Hey, I only want to do this one particular sport," and then put plans together, or at least allow things to develop that heads them into a direction. And it doesn't matter if it's math or science or or piano or you know sports. It's it's not something that I've always been against trying to make any anybody do anything. And I'm not just talking about my kids. I mean, yeah. kids in general. Let them be kids. There's encouragement, and uh, you know it's part of your story, and, and and you know this is where because you already mentioned it. How you know we were kind of just you know together learning through things. Yeah. I mean, I had my own history that I was very well aware of. Um, I played certain sports. I, I pl- didn't play other sports, and I don't remember them being as a kid. You know, conscious. Okay, I'm not going to play football. I never played football, but it wasn't like I woke up one day saying, "Yep, I'm, I have no interest in football." It was just however things happened. So, with you guys, if you had a, a proclivity towards a sport, you got to play it at a low level, at a non-competitive level, as a just go have fun and see if you really think it's fun kind of a level. And then, as things went on, you know, we started. You know, having conversations. You know, do you want more? And and then it became, well, how much more? And then to try to get you to understand what that more entailed in terms of time, in terms of you know, at at one point become sacrificing things to you know to get wherever you want. I mean, you can ask any kid when they're young and say they like football and they say, well, I'm going to be the next Tom Brady. Well, that's great, but I don't think you can. Take that from a young one of your your own child, and say, okay, now let's map out the next twenty years yeah. to make that happen. I mean, you just yeah. you say, okay, you hear it, you know, because tomorrow it could be something else. Tomorrow it could be, you know, I want to be Dave Grohl. Who is it bad that I don't know who that is? <laughs> I'm glad you know who that is. Okay, well, there's like twenty million things that I want to unpack from what you just said. 
But I'm very curious. Like, I have my own interpretation of my story throughout the game. And we dabbled a little bit into the pitching part. But, like, you were mentioning sacrifices. And you were mentioning all of these other things. Can you... It's okay if you're not exact on the years. But, like, take me through your version of my timeline. My version of your timeline? Yeah. Oh, I know it pretty well. I mean, but the years don't matter, right? You probably right? know it better than me. The years don't matter. Yeah. I mean, you know, the first... You know, it was a simple, you know, again, going back to I, what I remember of my own, it was like, okay, we live in this neighborhood and what sports, you know, how do we sign up for whatever the little league equivalent is? So mm-hmm. we found it. Softball didn't start at your age for somebody uh, until your next year when, when uh, and so to not wait one year, you played baseball, as I know your listeners have heard before. And Again, I it my my responsibility was taking you there and picking you up. I mean, and and going to the games, and you know, so it wasn't it wasn't more than that. The next year, when softball came out, you know, just put your name in the hat again. You got picked. You had a coach. Again, I went to games, and and that was it. And then you know, and then then you start to see, okay, well, she can catch a ball without it hitting her in, in the head. She looks like she has uh, eye-hand coordination where, you know, it looks like she can see the ball coming in as it's pitched. And again, there weren't any grand delusions to say, okay, now that means she's going to, you know, go play softball at Purdue when she's, uh, when she's you know, 18 years old. <laughs> but it was just, it was just growing. So, so you stayed in Little League up until you were uh, 12, or, or I guess it would be 12 and under. And I think you were still 11. And again, there, you know, you, you had some success. I mean, I think the first, the first, that was the first time somebody said, Hey, I know she's only this age, but I want to move her up and play with her and play with us. And I said, okay. And that was the first time I started coaching. And that was a, that was a good experience because it was a, you know, it was regardless of the, the, the talent of the team, the guy who was running the coach or running the team uh, did a good job. He didn't put pressure on anybody. He didn't. He didn't, uh, you know, do anything that I wouldn't have expected, you know, at that level. And then the next year, I don't know how much detail you want me to give, but the, no, I love it all. But the very next year was when I was coaching by myself. I mean, I was the head coach for the first time in again little league, and and we and what I was finding is that we didn't have there wasn't that much talent in the league, and it made me scratch my head. I was like, well, where is it? Because we were, we were, I think we won that championship that year across all of, you know, our, I think it was 10 or 12 teams easily. And realistically, we didn't have that many, what I would say for that age, good players. And I don't mean that in a, in a mean way. It was just that what we had, you know, we had three core players and we were basically annihilating everybody. Mm-hmm. And and it was at that time where I started scratching my head a little bit and saying, well, is there more? What is there? Is this the path that we're going to be on and you're just going to play these little league games and and whatever? So this was that was that was my first like, OK, well, are you a bigger fish in a smaller pond kind of a scenario where maybe there is more out there? doing this podcast an absolute disservice if I didn't share the legacy of Joan Joyce. Joan Joyce, she was a trailblazer in our game. She was born in August 18th, 1940. 
She was the softball coach for Florida Atlantic. She just literally weeks ago broke the record for a thousand wins at Florida Atlantic. And she just passed recently, this past weekend. She was a trailblazer in our game. She was a pitcher, very tall pitcher, threw a slingshot over 70 miles an hour, started professional softball in the United States. She also played over 10 years on the LPGA tour and competed on the USA Women's National Basketball Team and played for the Coconut Clippers volleyball team. Yeah, one person played all of those sports. She was an absolute legend in not just the game of softball, but every single sport and human that she met. I wrote a paper in high school on Dot Richardson. She was also another trailblazer in the game, and I recently heard her on Twitter sharing how Joan was a good friend of hers and also was an inspiration for her. So if you don't know much about Joan, head over to Dot Richardson's Twitter and check that out. It was, it made me cry. It was incredible. And I'm only sharing this simply because I want you guys to understand that our game, it's pretty new, right? But it wouldn't be where it is without people like Joan. So I just want to on air thank Joan for everything she's done for our game. I encourage you to go look up more things on what Joan did for our sport. I'm still researching because I wish I would have known some of these things before she had passed. So thank you, Joan, for everything you've done for the game of softball. And we're going to miss you. All right, let's head back to the episode. But when you were the head coach and you were realizing and you were just dominating, what were practices like? Were well, we develop like just developmental practices? Was it just teamwork? What were you teaching mostly? Uh, well, I, I was when it came to softball. Outside of pitching, I just relied on everything that I had when baseball. I when I was playing baseball, right. and I had a lot of great experiences with baseball. Played with a lot of uh, guys that I was I've been friends with my whole life. Had coaches that made it fun. Had coaches that you know to the day uh, we still tell stories about. So I had a great baseball experience um, with my summer baseball, and so I just we did the same kind of things. Now the difference now from my generation to I'm sure it didn't start with your generation. There was there was a, a more uh, uh, more emphasis on the on the details. Mm-hmm. In my generation, you know, you really just rolled everybody out there and you hit balls at them and some could and some couldn't. Yeah. Then if you could catch the ball, the next thing was to say, well, who can throw the ball? So there wasn't a whole lot of individual instruction to say, hey, throw it this way or make sure that your follow through is like this or how to get more out of your legs, how to, you know, how to, you know, properly bring a ball in, you know, to stay eye level to it, to... You know, all, all the details that we started working on and learning. And that was fun for me because it was, it, for me, it was different than what I had done. Like I said, you know, the, you know, usually it was the, the shortstop's dad was the head coach. Yep. And, you know, the pitcher's dad was the second best player or the best player on the team. And everybody else just filled in roles as opposed to, okay, well, here's what you need to do between short and second base if you're going to transition a double play mm-hmm. or here's really what you need to do 
you know, anticipating a ball in the outfield off the bat and how to drop step and things like that. So we started playing with more of the detail that I that I loved and I sucked up. And I got a lot of that in basketball, but I don't remember that much for baseball. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason. I, I just attended more camps in, ba- in basketball than I did in baseball. So back to you with softball, that's what we would do. We would just go over and over and over, you know, the, the basics, you know, you know, how to understand, you know, uh, uh, the, the strike zone. And, you know, from the very, very beginning, there's so many things that you could do. Now, we didn't practice that often. So so I also had fun trying to organize and, and plan for, you know, a practice. So if I had an hour and a half or if it was two hours, how was I going to use those two hours? How many dads was I going to have there to possibly do, you know, feed the, you know, feed the pitching machine or mm-hmm. just do the soft toss? Uh, so that was fun for me too. That was kind of organizing. That was my first, I guess, uh, play around with uh, with planning practices. I love it. Yeah, I think that's going to be valuable for any parents who are coaches that are just starting out and trying to figure out what to teach mm-hmm. and what to spend time on. But that's really good. So, what was next? What was the more that we ended up finding? Oh, so uh, uh, again, um, th- there was there was one our 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 main rival in little league. Um, was kind of like us, so I think it came down to that final game, and and I think this guy Mike had the same thoughts in his head that I did. Is like, well, there's got to be more. Well, his job took him around uh, the area, um, the region, um, and he bumped into travel softball, and he stopped one day and watched a tournament that was going on. Came back, and and I really didn't even know him, but he just reached out to me and said, "Hey, you got to you got to check this out," <laughs> and so. Over the next, you know, few months, we did, and we put together that first, that first travel team, and, and it was just we, you know, we just looked around our area yeah. of the kids that we got to know from, you know, from little league, and say, hey, you guys, you know, you guys interested in this? <laughs> okay, well, let's try it. I think what I love, and you're talking about Mike Stevenson, the Fort Wayne Fire, like mm-hmm. all of this, yeah. So I haven't really gone into full detail about the Fort Wayne fire, but those are some of my favorite memories of all time. Well, they were new, right? So everything was good. Everything was, you know, when you, when you go into a sport or, or, or a team sport, if you're, if you're all on the same page, you know, it's like playing with an all-star team. Now, again, these, you know, all-star at that level meant a whole lot different than, yeah, it it was much more different than looking at an an all-star team, (laughs) you know, uh, um, that's going to compete in the Olympics, kind of a thing. But you know, these were kids that all had some level degree of uh, some degree of training, and it's just it's just a lot more fun than you know constantly have the other scenario where where okay, well, some kids don't come; they come you know once every three games, yeah. and you just you just you just roll with it. But it, but we had a lot of fun with that because we did get to practice on some of the the things that you know make you a better player, not mm-hmm. just going out there and here's two hours to, you know, shag fly balls. Right. However you want to shag them, right? Yeah. And then go home. And even those practices, I remember they were very high intense, high intensity, challenging, but they were always fun. Like those practices were always fun. I don't even remember why exactly, but you were an assistant coach, so hopefully you remember some of the stuff we did. It, it was all it was all just basic stuff. It really, I mean, it really was. I mean, uh, you know, it, it comes down to the players that want to do 
want to put the time in while you're at practice. Again, we weren't demanding anybody go home and and if you were a pitcher, throw 500 pitches before the next practice or or go get yourself a personal hitting instructor and do that and then come back. At that point, it was just being it, it was it was different. So I think there was a lull to play with, you know, in leagues that were were not quite as competitive. Not to say that we were all that great, but there was a certain level of competition that was lacking that when you first started into travel ball, everybody's there for the same reason. And then, of course, you got the travel, and that's exciting when you're little. You, mm-hmm. I mean, even if it was a 45-minute drive to you know More to so. to a county you know <laughs> to a county field, right. you know where, but just to see a whole you know see 20 or 30 teams there all. Kind of, you know, all with their matching uniforms and then the matching bags. And, you know, there was the the spray painting, the helmet stands, you know, at the, <laughs> you know, um, it, it had a carnival atmosphere. So, and who doesn't have fun doing that? Yeah. Another memory that just shot in my head. By the way, I was, what, 11 when I started travel? 12? Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was the summer. It was the summer between 11 and 12. Yeah. And that's exactly how I remember it. Just the chaos, the fun, the 4 a.m. wake-up calls sometimes. Yeah, it was funny at that point because, you know, we never even thought, you know, like, look, I guess in my mind, it was like, if we had to spend uh, time in a hotel, then to me that was, that was, that was borderline overboard. (laughs) And then, but then when you realize that you're an hour away from the field and you have an 8 8 a.m. game... You know, we, we were kind of silly to force ourselves to to not to not want to stay the night. But everybody was learning it at the time. Now, yeah. Just you know, you it's it you know a hotel. You don't even think about it anymore. Right. But at that point, we did. Yeah. And again, and that was almost twenty years ago now. Yeah, I remember rolling at McDonald's four thirty in the morning. I remember what we ordered. Like I would remember our order, and I would eat it and then fall back asleep. I got. Yep. Do you remember what I would get? I'm putting you on the spot. Would, no, I remember I would get the Egg McMuffin. Egg McMuffin. You also got like the bagel at McDonald's. Bagel wasn't out right the away. The bagel, sausage, the bagel egg didn't and come out right away. <laughs> Glad we're dating ourselves. That was a few years And that afterwards. was when the coffee was so piping hot that you wouldn't be able to touch it for like 30 minutes in our drive. Yeah, I'm not a hot, hot coffee fan. <laughs> it's just the funny things that I remember. By the way, I got the two breakfast burritos with the hash brown and an orange juice. And I would scarf it down and peace out. I'm going back to bed. And I'd yep. wake up right before we had to be at the field. <laughs> yeah. Some of those things were were uh, kind of hectic. It's a little things. It's a little things. So you coached me through the Fort Wayne Fire. Again, some of my favorite memories, going to Colorado, being with the team, staying, literally getting this massive house and half the team staying together. It was just mm-hmm. fun. Now, I, I guess a good question maybe to segue is, when when did you figure out that traveling was necessary? Well, it was that it was that last year before you went to. Uh, well, I'll start with when we went to Colorado. Um, you know, that was our understanding of it at the time was that was the end all be all. And you get there and you realize that well, no, there's not one tournament in Colorado. There's four tournaments in Colorado. Now there's like sixty five and tournaments. Different tournaments on the same weekend. There's so many. There's a lot. There's a lot. But I think there was there was always three or four, and there was one that was the the cream of the crop, even at the younger ages. So you did that. You did that when you were um, 16. You mm-hmm. we went out there when you were 
turning 16 or maybe you already were. I think you were just turning 16. And so it was fun. I mean, it was blast. It was it was great softball. We got our butts kicked like everybody was telling us we would but needed to <laughs> right to understand that there's always more. And that and that's the thing that became the driver. Okay, what is more? What else is there out there? Because, you know, I if there was anything I know we talked about it a lot many times was was what I said earlier. Do you want to be a big fish in a small pond or do you want, you know, the entire ocean to try to prove yourself in? And, you know, and it was rhetorical that, you know, because I think I probably told you that first when you were tw- 12 and you had no idea what I was talking about hmm. to see, you know, do you want to keep looking at, you know, how far you can take this, how ultimately how quote unquote good you could be. And that was a step going out to Colorado you know, seeing what we saw and then realizing that there was probably two layers more, at least two layers more to get to that we still didn't get to experience. Right. So you had a really good season. I don't know if you ever mentioned this before. I don't know if it was just a stat that I kept in my hand because I'm not in my head because I'm not a stat guy at all. At all. I, I can't tell you my free throw percentage. I can't tell you how many points I scored in, in high school. I can't tell you how many points I scored in college. I, I am just not a, Scott, a, a stat guy. I remember the experiences. I remember the players. But no, I am not the guy to, to remember stats. But that last season that you played for the Fort Wayne Fire, you, you liter- and, and I know this because I was at first base for every one of your at-bats and everybody else's at-bats for, for that matter. But you did not swing one time and not touch the ball and yes there's a part of that that is you but there's also a part of it to saying that okay are these meatballs or are these are these pitchers you know just not to the level that you would want to be to keep on taking steps up literally there was not a time that you touched you hit a few foul balls but every ball you swung at was a hard hit it was and we were we were in between that a B level. Yeah. I think there's a number of levels as we found that are even higher than A, better than A, but on paper we were considered an A B team. A slash B. And and so at the end of that season is when I had a, a long talk with, you know, um, Mike, who, you know, who we've became good friends with one another over those over those I think it was Four years. Four? I could have sworn it was like five. May, but... I think it, it might have been five. It may have been five. Yeah. Where as I, I was like, I don't think we can get there. We we can't get there. Not not just not because of the personnel, but because of the pedigree that that's established in the in the travel world. Yeah. This and that 16? was that was sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. So you you still could play sixteen when we started looking around. And when I say we, it was mostly me. I didn't want to involve you in these things because. That's the game within the game that, to me, the player doesn't have to worry about. They should only be concerned about the game. Show up and play. And that increases or evolves, you know, every every year. But why would I burden, why would any parent want to burden their child with, hey, you're not on the right team? Or, or I need to get you here. If you don't get here, you're not going to be seen by X, Y, or Z. Not even know who X, Y, or Z are at the time. You're just saying that. So to me, 
you just, you know, because you also have your social life, you also have your, you know, your schoolwork, and you were doing two sports. So why, why, and, and I don't care, I don't care who the child is. I mean, you'll see some prodigies that are, you know, not, no, regardless if you're a prodigy or not, you still need that extra space where you're not only ever just thinking about sports. Yeah. Or even just one sport. Mm-hmm. Or even just one team. Or even just one position within a, with on that team. So go play basketball. Go, you know, go go to birthday parties, whatever comes up, and let let the parents deal with uh with what with what may need to come next. So Right. And that was the thing. So we looked around and there was a there was a great program that wasn't too far from here. You know, so I mean we weren't in a position to send you to Texas or send you to California for the summer and just say, go ahead and learn from these teams out there. But we found one that had built a reputation that was very strong, that was getting the exposure and was going to that at the time, Colorado, like I said, was the, was the, was the pinnacle, you know, they were, they were regular um, attendees at that, at that team. So the, the, that program or that, at that tournament and that uh, coach, Kim Clay, you know, did a great job in, in getting his team, is getting his team there, right. and that's and that was pretty much history. Right. I do want to definitely call out the fact that you were talking about decisions that you were making, but I do love that you, and I don't remember you ever talking about asking, do you want to keep going? Do you want to keep pushing? I don't remember those conversations at all to see how good I could get, but I do remember that was a driving force for me to see how good I could be. Yeah, no, I remember the conversation that, that we did have. And I think this was this was after you got into high school. And, and I was perfectly fine with you playing multiple sports. I mean, because it wasn't like you were playing four. I mean, if you'd right. been looking for three, it would have been even harder than playing two. But the conversation we did have, and it was in, it was one of those coming home, you know, drive drive home kind of a conversation is where where do you think you want to be? So So, you know, your maturity got, you were growing up. You were understanding more than just, you know, the X's and O's of the game, you know, so you're developing the softball IQ. You were looking at, you know, the different aspects, thinking about things that you could do better. And that was the right time to discuss, well, how good do you want to be? Do you want to be, you know, the best player on your team? And what would it take to do that? Do you want to be the best player, you know, at your high school? What does it take to do that? What about the area? Do you want to be the best player in the area? Do you want to be the best player in the state? And you can keep on widening that that view. Because, and then what, what I said is, you know, so here's where the commitment will be determined by what level you want to be at. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> if you would have known and said something right then, I would have said, great, but... But it was taken as a rhetorical question, so you didn't you didn't really answer at that time. But I think you took it away as you know something to think about. Yeah. And and then you know there wasn't like a sit down moment where you raised the flag and said, "Hey, here I now know." Yeah. But as it evolved, you know, in in especially after joining this other team, you know, it's now okay. Now here are the things that we can now do at at a, at a more accelerated pace, or mm-hmm. you know where you're. You know, may take a couple months off because it's basketball season, 
you know, we're still going to have to do some hitting, and we're still have to, you know, do some. And you were pitching at the time, do some pitching, and it took you a while to kind of accept that. Right. Um, For a while, it was like oh, I have to go do that. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's, and that's the, you know, that's the, I guess that's the bad thing of being the oldest child, the first. Yep. You know, that's and me. and that's where, and that's where you see. Where you, where, you know, you're looking around, is anybody else doing that? I mean, just natural questions. Who else yeah. is doing this? Yeah. You know, and, and it wasn't like I was going to try to, you know, show you or prove it or anything like that. It was just like, well, there's they're gonna ha- there has to be something. Now, now with social media and videos and clips that are only five seconds long, you can see what kind of work people at your age in your sport are doing anytime. Just yeah. open your phone up. And you can literally find 500 in 10 minutes. And that's intimidating. But you didn't. Well, when you don't kids. have that, what do you have? There's no softball on TV. There's no, you know, there's well, no. Yeah, sto- a little. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying to be able to look at what they did to get there. Right. Could have been a story yeah. between, you, be you know, between games inspired. at the College World Series, but there wasn't something that you could just do a search on the internet and say, you know, how did Lisa Fernandez become Lisa Fernandez or right. Dot Richardson or, you know, you kinda a, had a everybody dig. else. So you had to, right. so there was a lot of trust on your part. Again, not that, you know, we ever had a conversation. Hey, you, you know, you have to trust me with this. But, you know, there was trust. There was just, I don't know if blind ambition is the right is the right uh, yeah. is the right term there. Well, you know what I remember. But you did. You know what I remember. Mm. Well, first of all, once we did have softball, we had the Women's College World Series and the Olympics. That was the only thing on TV that I remember. And this was later on. This mm-hmm. wasn't when I was very little. But I remember watching Caitlin Lowe. Jessica Mendoza, everybody just do their thing. And like, that was the initial spark. And then there were conversations, not like what would Caitlin do, but kind of along those lines. Like, what do you, cause as soon as I verbalized that I really like her and we were obsessed with watching her on TV and TiVoing back and forth, it was kind of like, Caitlin's probably, probably put in the work, you know, like she probably did this. And again, we didn't know exactly, but I think it was just you mentioning that, that, that allowed me to say, you know what? I do want to be like her and I do want to excel and be as good as I can. So that was a driving force that I, I mean, I don't know exactly how the conversation went, but something along those lines. Well, I, you, you may have just keyed off of the excitement that I said watching it. I mean, because, maybe because I mean, a, a real, I guess, kind of a quick story. When I came, um, when I came to Indiana for basketball uh, in the fall was women's volleyball. And I, I remember going to my first, college women's volleyball game and i was amazed at how how hard you know these girls were hitting the ball (laughs) i mean you know volleyball was something that i may or may not have ever watched at the olympics or whatever the pan am games and you know not not a whole lot of interest in it but then to watch it and and just being just seeing it was I mean I I got all excited and I was all jazzed up for it and that was similar to when I saw college softball played at that time that you're talking about and mm-hmm. you know when Arizona was in the World Series and UCLA was there and Tennessee I think was a couple of years later you know to watch the level that and and then yeah I mean I I flat out I I know I made comments was like wow. She took a, she was, you know, we're, we were first learning and playing with slap hitting. Yeah. I was like, she just slapped the ball over the fence. <laughs> I 
I remember. And then, this and too. then, I, then I was like, okay, that ball barely got through the infield, and she's standing on third. <laughs> and so it really did, you know, raise the bar, at least in my mind, of wow, there is this what I was looking for, at least without necessarily knowing I was looking for it. There is this entire other world. Yeah. Now I'm not. I mean, you know, and, and still, you know, if you look at that, so that's 20 years ago. When, when did college softball World Series? I guess it was probably in the 70s. I, I don't even know. So I'm just saying, well, did it develop that rapidly? Or was there a major push in the 80s and 90s? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But to watch that played, and again, you're, you're on TV. You're watching on TV. You can't tell. I mean, yeah, it says that was a 64-mile-an-hour pitch or 67-mile-an-hour pitch, but you don't really have appreciation for it because everybody's always asking when you're at a game, hey, what does she throw? It's like, I don't know. I'll make up a number. She's throwing 44, you know? <laughs> and, you know, you were probably 38 at the time. I have no idea how, yeah. how fast you were throwing. But, but that, that was probably where I was, where I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. Right. This is kind of cool. And there's, and it's almost softball season. Like people are going to have access to, I mean, the St. Pete Clearwater tournament on ESPN. And it's cool to see how much the game has evolved and how many dreams are sparked by simply watching the game. And your enthusiasm for it was definitely there too. We would stay up late. We'd have to tell mom, Hey, we're going to watch this game. It's 11 PM on a school night. (laughs) It was fun watching that. I mean, and, and I, and, I've never done it, but I, I, I can't really even compare it to what I used to watch when I was eight years old and mm-hmm. and and Bat Boy for for my dad. But you know, but there was you know there it was. I guess it's different. So I mean, I grew up in a high school that had strong girls programs, whether it was swimming or basketball, volleyball, um, field hockey, softball. Um, so I was there, but I was watch. I wasn't really watching as a. As someone that eventually was going to have a daughter, let's yeah. put it that way. But but <laughs> what's that? And then you had three. Oh, then we had three. Then had... <laughs> but but as you as you do watch it later on, then you're like, wow. Then you do kind of think, I don't know, and, and I don't know how many times internally I would say, I don't know. I don't know if she can, you know, start on her high school team. I don't know if she's going to be. Uh, recruitable at the level that she's at. But is, but that part is what the unknown is what makes you kind of want to push further. And I don't mean, I looked at it as, as a, it was a journey with you and me. It wasn't me pushing you. It wasn't you pushing me. But can we push enough to see if, you know, you, you know, because, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not, I'll say it wrong, but I never thought I was any good as an athlete. And I didn't, know or think that you were you know the the star that you were going to become either but then you get you know then you get validation i in my sports and you when you got when you were picked for that team wasn't there like 70 people at that it was the, well see that it was and and that's what that's what still baffles my mind and this is where <laughs> Same. this is where well this is where and maybe that maybe your viewers will have some kind of an interest in this I didn't know any of the guys that you were trying out for at the time. None. Like Kim and none of those guys. I mean, okay. there, there were. I mean, it, it was like a, it was. There were. I think there were four, three teams at the time. There were two sixteen under teams or two eight. I forget what it was. But I thought it was one of each. Like a maybe it was just one of each that that year. 
but there were a lot of dads who, you know, I, they were all wearing the same hats, so you didn't know if you were a dad or if they were a dad or a coach. Yeah. And a, a guy walked up to me who I did not know and said, "Hey, you know, we want we want you. Remember, you were still eligible for 16 and under on the 18 and under team." And I said, "Huh?" I was like, I've been watching her. She's not having a great tryout. <laughs> I don't remember it. I just remember being I mean, scared. it was super fast, right? You know, it's, it's, just like, yeah. it's just like anything. It's just like camps, and, and, and you, you put in so much effort to, to, to stand out right. at, a, at a college camp or at, a, at a, some, you know, something in between a tournament where they just invite all-stars to go and they get a run through a combine kind of a, kind of a scenario. And it's like, no, we know her. We know who you are, too. And that, and that was the, that was again that that game within the game that you can pull your hair out, stand up, you know, stay up late, worrying about you know that game within the game, or you can just stay focused on what you have control over, how, how hard you work, what kind of a schedule we can put together to help you, you know, take whatever weaknesses we perceive and make them not weaknesses and Mm -hmm. and of course you want to take what you are strong at and become even stronger at it wasn't this just a wild conversation i honestly planned where I wanted this podcast to go, but we went in so many different directions than I had planned. And I think that's simply because there was a lot more to this game and our journey than I even thought there was. And my, I loved hearing my dad's version of my timeline in softball because it looked differently than how I saw it. And it was just like so fun to hear him talk about what it is that drove me, how he was overjoyed and excited to watch females do their thing at the Olympic and Women's College World Series stages. He lit up, which influenced me to light up through this sport. So if you love this conversation, please share it with a friend. This is only part one. So we have part two, and this is one that I know you should be looking forward to because I'm simply asking him questions that you guys have asked me before. I'm very excited to share this because I guarantee you in next week's episode, we're going to hit at least one or two things that you have on your mind as well through his journey through the game and coaching me and things like that. So thank you so much for tuning in. Please don't forget to write a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And I'll give some listener shout outs here soon. So if you want to write a review, I would love to share it on the pod someday. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to stay awkward, stay humble, keep working hard towards your biggest goals, and don't forget to keep smiling. All right. See you guys next week. We should call this a daddy-daughter segment. Do we have to? Don't you? Can't you edit that in later? I know. I'm just curious what you think will work. I don't care. How'd that sound? Great. (laughs) So what do you what are you measuring there? In the green. Um, Check. Testing. One, two, two, one. Roger, Echo, Tango. What range? You can't really see it. But that little white line? Right there.
Hello. You don't, oh, have, to, back you don't have to worry about that part. Hello. Hello. <laughs> you ready? Sure. <laughs>